Welcome to another edition of the Green Beige Podcast. As always, that is AJ. He is the Green. I am Ken. I am the Beige. And welcome to episode 18 of the Green Beige Podcast. AJ, how are you doing, sir? I'm all right, man. I'm good. No no complaints. Yeah, everything is just, just mellow. Good for the time. No news is good news. Indeed it is. No <laughs> yourself? Over. Yeah, we've been having some some interesting weather in Colorado, as it always tends to happen. We've had I was some... just about to say, you, you surprised by that? No, <laughs> no, never. I'm never surprised by what's happening in Colorado's weather. Um, this is the third year that I've been here, and we've had snow in May. So, I mean, it is what it is over here. And you're really trying to sell me that, you know? But I mean. <laughs> It keeps life interesting, if nothing else. Well, what's life without whimsy? All right. There there you go. (laughs) So on today's show, we have quite a few things that we're going to talk about. Of course, you know, we have our Who Do You Trust? Today, we're going to touch on some cornerbacks. Um, AJ has a final thought for us. But before we get there, off the rip, we are going to talk about this situation with Jawan James the Denver Broncos, and his Achilles. So I'm not sure if those who don't pay special attention to circumstances happening outside of their team would have noticed what had happened here. But Joan James, who is a tackle for the Denver Broncos, my local team, he tore his Achilles. And having torn his Achilles, he is now facing the prospect of not getting paid at all this season. Now, Joanne James, he had opted out last year, the 2020 season. He was out because of COVID, as many players in the league have had their um, concerns about COVID and trying to play through this COVID season. He was one that decided he was going to opt out. As a result of him opting out, his contract basically went on pause. He did not accrue another year, which would bring him closer to free agency. And as a result, this season, he was looking at a potential salary of $20 million. This $20 million would have been $10 million for his, well, just basically for skill and playing the games and then on top of that he would have had 10 million dollars um for injury now because this torn achilles happened outside of the team's facility the team can classify it as a non-football injury and now he the broncos are no longer obligated to pay him his $9.85 million base salary for this 2021 season. So AJ, when you hear of this situation for uh, Mr. James, what are your first thoughts? Uh, So my first thought when I heard this, and I'm still kind of along those lines, was that, okay, (laughs) I don't see the big deal here. Um, he was injured off the facility. Um, I know there's such a thing as workman's comp, and in certain cases, in certain employment situations, that can um, cover liabilities which take place, you know, off off site. But in this case, I I don't know. I felt like I needed to know more. That was my first thought because I'm like, okay, I don't see the issue. In addition to that, it's in the CBA. It's, it, it is in the agreement that the NFLPA and the NFL organization would have agreed on the last time around, right? Mm-hmm. Um, also what I really wanted like I, I, I don't like to be victim blamer but I like to ask questions one thing I also wanted to know was did he actually injure himself um, in, 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 in some sort of off, off the field of um, the facility practice like was he actually practicing on his own or is this a case where he was injured we, he realized well you know I get, got diagnosed and realized this is a season and an injury and then, you know, trying to, I'm not trying to suggest that the man would <laughs> try to falsify these claims, but when you have $10 million at stake, why wouldn't you, you know? 
I'm just saying, just putting it out there, just putting it out there. So I just, I, I, the man has been riddled with injury throughout his career. So you spoke about that he started out 2020. Man played three games in 2019 because he had um, a torn meniscus and a torn MCL that season in, in game, different games that season, right? Mm-hmm. So my issue is here, you already have an injury history. You didn't play last year. If you know that your money is potentially jeopardized, like what? And 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 in doing reading and research, I, I mean, we know that that players um, have certain situations where they're given um, training re, um, training schedules and 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 practice. You know, re, training regimens basically that mm-hmm. um, they can do outside of the team's facility. Mm-hmm. And even saw uh, there's a case where some players. I uh, feel like their facility doesn't offer enough um, COVID regulations and, you know, like to, to, to cover them in, in the case of COVID-19 itself. But I just feel like if your money's at stake and this is, you, you're already ridden, riddled with injury throughout your career, like why would you take the chance and, and not practice at the facility? I, it, I, it just, it, I, I just don't feel not to sound harsh, but I just, I don't feel sorry necessarily. Obviously, I don't want a man to lose out on his money. I don't want a man to lose out on his money. But if it's in the contract that that is agreed upon, if it, it is in the not contract, but the agreement that is agreed upon between your or the organization representing you and your employer, I just find it hard to feel sorry in this case. You would have to, to, to shed some, some more light on this. But at this point, I'm kind of like, okay, well, it's, it's hard luck. So, you may mention of a couple of things that I did want to touch on. The first one being that this was something that is included in the CBA. Now, while it is included in the CBA, this is, well, not just, this is not the best example, but there are many things in the CBA that the Players Association agrees to with the owners. And then they come back and they complain about it. Now, from reading up on some of the CBA negotiations, I understand why in a lot of cases that happens. It's because especially if you're pushing for certain things, you end up having to give up something else. This is, this is a very unfair situation for the players that they have to use the union to try to get certain things from the owners because if it was up to the owners, the owners would not even give them the salaries that they're getting. So I have some measure of sympathy when we're looking at the NFL and the NFL Players Association when they have to deal with these unscrupulous owners and they make no apologies for calling them that. So that was the first part. Now, the second thing is, with the really owners are concerned and the CBA, it has been agreed that the players have protections if they're injured at the facility. However, we know that majority of these players do not live 100% in the cities within which they work. Therefore, the expectation is that when you are not at the facility or you are not in the state where you're employed, you are still expected to keep yourself in shape. Now, prayer tell, how is a football player supposed to keep himself in shape if he does not go to a gym somewhere or he's outside running somewhere? You can fall in your house and tear your Achilles as I don't remember who, but I remember some player, he had this issue where he either tore his, tore his Achilles or he damaged a knee ligament falling in his house. If you're going to tell me that you can dock a man's salary for doing his best to keep himself in playing shape so that when OTAs start in the next month or so, that he comes in at weight, in shape, and is then ready to go through OTAs, you should then not be so ham-fisted with it then to say but you know you, you might not be working out here 
So because you're not working out here, but you got injured while working out to keep yourself in playing shit, are we, we are going to take your money? How is that fair? No, it's not just me that thinks that. But a lot of the players in the NFL, apparently they didn't seem to know this was the situation either because Tom Brady has come up very strongly against it and said that the players need to lead the charge against this clause because, like I said, men are doing their best to keep themselves in shape and when they come back in and you tell them that you can't get paid because they got hurt while you were not at the facility, that is rubbish. Patrick Mahomes... He tweeted and was apoplectic with the fact that people were saying that you could just take the man's money even though he was trying to keep himself fit. So I have some sympathy for Mr. James, even though, as you did mention, he has had a bit of an injury history. The fact still remains that he was doing what he was supposed to do. He was following his workout regimen given to him by his coaches to be ready for the season. He got injured and now they're trying to take the man's money away. So, okay, so let me let me piggyback off of that point really quickly, right? I did, I, I, I'm, all I was trying to, to articulate is that I'm, I was just approaching this with some skepticism, right? Mm -hmm. If indeed it is a situation where he, he, we know for sure, like it's actually proven that this is what he was doing. He was working out and he got injured. And I'm 100% on board with what you're saying. The only, the, as I was saying, my only issue is, and I guess I didn't say this before, but let me add this on. No, I, I could understand the employer from a, from a broad perspective, an employer trying to, to protect themselves from situations where their employees may get injured off of their site and want to claim that it was work related, right? That's my only thing. So, because, um, Professional athletes do whatever they want, whenever they want. Like, you you think if Gronk had get injured in WWE, that I would stand by the Patriots having to pay? That, that's exactly. So I'm just so I'm just saying, that's not work-related. If indeed he was actually working out and got injured, I, I would stand on and, and I'll admit, you know what, it's foolishness. They should not be taking away his money because, I, and I mentioned workman's comp, um, if, if we're talking about like in a, just in a, uh, uh, in a general workforce, not even as a professional athlete. But if you get injured in, in the process of doing something that correlates to your job, mm -hmm. the, the employer is supposed to cover you for it. So if that is the case, I fully, fully 100% agree with you. I just want to be sure because I'm, I'm saying in terms of the, the language of the contract, I understand why the NFL teams would have something like this in it. You're, you're trying to make sure to protect yourself. You can't leave, can't leave these things up to ambiguity of, of, of the wording of the contract, right? So mm -hmm. I understand that. If this is a case where John was working out uh, you know, trying to stay fit to, to get back to his team and he got injured, by all means, the man should have his money. And it's, the, the case is not completely closed as yet. It's not a foregone conclusion and he will lose it, right? It's just, it's still yeah. up in the air. Yeah, it's still up in the air. We, we still don't know for sure where it's going to go. But at this point, the we know for sure that the team has put him on the non-football injury exempt list. Right. So no, it is completely up to them if they pay him or not. And we know that in a lot of these cases, the teams do what is best for the team and not necessarily what's best for the player, which leads us into the second topic. We've gone off the rip. And now we are into talking about Aaron Rodgers again. However, it's not just about Aaron Rodgers. Today, we saw some comments coming out from star wide receiver and your boy, Devontae Adams. Now, we know that Devontae Adams is one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. And Adams is was, uh, they say he was looking to build off of his 2020 campaign that saw him earn all pro honors. And he also was the number one receiver in the league for touchdowns with 18. But... Adams went on the herd with Colin Coherd and said basically that if Aaron Rodgers does not come back, then this could potentially impact his future. 
No, Adams did a recent interview with CBS Sports and he said, obviously, I'd love to continue to play with him. We've had a lot of success together and we've been able to accomplish a lot as a team. But mainly I'm focused on controlling what I can control and that's doing everything I can to be ready for the season. He also went on Peter King's podcast and said, it's been tough, man. I've obviously spoken to Rogers a little bit. Can't really share too much of what we talked about, but part of the business is you've got to keep people happy. And it's tough because you have so much time invested in one place and you've done so much for one place, you just hope to see that respect reciprocated, I guess you could say. And when it doesn't work out exactly how you want, you have issues like this. But we're just being positive and I'm just sticking to my training, doing what I have to do to put myself in a position to be ready, whoever my quarterback is come this season. Hoping and praying that it's still airing just so that we can continue what we've had going this whole time. But yeah, just going to continue working to see how it plays out. So AJ, at this point, we know that it's currently playing out in the way that Rodgers is not going to return. And Adams is saying that if Rodgers isn't there, then he's probably going to think about his future as well. So what do you see happening for your boy, Devontae Adams? How does this play out for him? going forward um i mean first of all i can understand where he's coming from with that right mm-hmm. <laughs> um and and there was some part but you know how and I, I need to i have to class us as media personnel now since we're doing this you know how us <laughs> media, some, some of us some others of our more established colleagues and peers all they like to do but they, they would like um basically take a specific statement from an excerpt or something like that and use that he did also give the impression that he doesn't, he's not necessarily saying right now that he will leave, but he just was saying that there would be some uncertainty. And I'm pretty sure you used that word already, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I understand where he's coming from, and I could understand why he's saying that now. Um, and I, I don't see this coming from a place of him just like being petulant because Aaron Rodgers is the only quarterback he's playing with, except for the games when he was injured and he had to play with um Brett Hundley. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think it also has a lot to do with the uncertainty of the organization and especially at the QB position, right? Because even up to, it was either today or yesterday, Gutenkunst again in the media, making more, <laughs> making more waves in the media, said that Jordan Love, quote-unquote, has a long way to go with regards to being ready to be a starting quarterback in the NFL. So when you hear that from from your um, GM, your quarterback, that who is one of the greatest of all time and a man who's going to have you competing as long as he's on the field, when they have that kind of uncertainty facing you, I can understand how, what, what his reaction would be. And honestly, um, like I wouldn't have qualms if he were to leave. He's supposed to be an um, unrestricted free agent in 2022. Um, he'd be 30 years of age by then. Yeah, I, 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 I wouldn't blame him if he wanted to. If, uh, this is obviously uh, um, in the scenario that Aaron Rodgers actually does not come back to the Packers. I, I, I don't think I could blame the man for wanting greener pastures. When, he, when, you, when you're a, a, a playmaker and you know you're one of the best and you're competing with one of the best quarterbacks, you already secured your bag. Like, it gets to a point where you want to win, right? The Green Bay Packers, if, Packers, if, if Aaron Rodgers leaves their... Uh, far away off from winning. They are far away off from winning. As good as he is, he, Devontae Adams is, the, the Packers will be a, a, a far way off from winning. So I can understand if he chooses to take his talent somewhere else. Now the challenge that Devontae Adams will have if Aaron Rodgers decides that he is going to take it to the crib or he's going to bring it to the Mahay City is he is still under contract this season. And if Adams is not or has not resigned with the Packers at the, by the end of the 2022 season, the likelihood is that he is going to get franchise tagged. He'll probably get tagged, yeah. They, they, they ain't going to lose him out. They ain't going to lose him like that. But at the same time, it, it would behoove them to try to get something back for him, for him in the event that he does decide that he's ready to move on. If Aaron, But you're right, though. You know how these owners operate sometimes? They would stick the franchise tag on you first and then try to figure it out afterwards. Exactly. And the thing is, 
the way how the owners are going to look at this, they've just lost Aaron Rodgers. You can't then lose your best receiver right after that. Whoever is going to be the quarterback will need weapons. And unless they lose Aaron Rodgers and somehow end up probably going 2-14, and 2-15 and 15, since we have 17 games this season. You got custom saying that, no. Huh? Yeah, we got, we got to change the, 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 the jargons a bit. So unless they end up with like the number one or the number, somewhere within the number one and the number five pick for the next season, where they can probably then either trade back and get some more assets or they can pick up a wide receiver that they believe will give them the same level of production that Devontae Adams has. Unless Devontae Adams is willing to do what Aaron Rodgers probably has to do to get out of Green Bay, he is still going to be in Green Bay at the start of the 2022-2023 season. So as upset as he is, and he can understand why he has to give the correct quotes. He has to say the right things in the media. He is going to give you some aspect of what he's feeling, but he's not going to come and go scorched earth on his team when he's still under contract for this season and his quarterback may come back this season as well. He said, he said, he said all the right things. Yeah. Only time right. will tell. Only time it's will tell what will happen for Mr. Adams. No. Just to make a quick mention, because, you know, we like to talk about the guys that got paid. Frank Ragno, he is the center for the Detroit Lions. He has signed a four-year extension, which kicks in as of the end of the 2021-2022 season, which makes him the highest paid center in the league. He's getting third, an average of $13.5 million per year, a total of $70 million through 2026. Do you have anything to say with regards to Mr. Ragno and his big contract? I have, I literally, in, in my preparation for this, I literally put down one sentence because I'm not going to spend too much time talking about anything pertaining to the Detroit Lions. <laughs> now, oh, the very first thing I thought is, okay, it makes sense. Fortify that O-line because you're playing, you're now playing with Jared Goff. This is not Matthew Stafford, it's Jared Goff. And the amount of time it, it will take for people that had to be screaming in his ears to give him plays and then for him to figure out what to do, you, you need to make sure you have a solid O-line in front of him. So, yeah, just just pay, just pay right now. It's cool. Well, the only, thought, the only thought that I had with regards to this is that this is still the Detroit Lions and the only way they get to keep good players there is if they pay them a pay them. boatload we go. of money. So, Here we go. That is that is Frank Ragno, highest paid center in the league, $70 million until 2026. So, AJ, the next one that I really wanted us to get into, and I know you had you had expressed a couple of thoughts with regards to this. Um, DK Metcalf. Now, DK Metcalf has earned a reputation of being one of the fastest receivers in the league. And he had that extremely um, impressive play when he ran down, I think it was Buda Baker, Buda from, Baker, yeah, Buda Baker. from the Arizona Cardinals after uh, Russell Wilson had thrown an interception where he was probably a good 10, 12 yards behind Buda Baker and caught him to tackle him before he was able to run the interception back for a touchdown. So Mr. Metcalf being fast... He had the idea, I'm not sure if he came up with it on his own or if someone put a bug in his ear, but that he could try out for the Olympics relay team. So when um, DK Metcalf ran at the Olympic trials this weekend, he ran 10.36 seconds in the 100 meter. He finished 12 of 15 in all of the semifinals. He finished ninth in his seat, incidentally of nine, but he ran 10.36. So AJ, what what are your thoughts when you think about Mr. Metcalf and him trying out for these Olympic trials? <laughs> On honestly, I mean I I'm probably one of the few people that was impressed by this. It 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 just didn't 
I wasn't even like, oh, you know what? Yeah, he held his own. Now I was like, okay. Oh, you weren't surprised. impressed. I weren't. I I I wasn't. Sorry. I I'm, yeah. One of the, the people that was not. I wasn't. I. It was kind of like, okay, this is what I expected. This. I, was there supposed to be any any other outcome? It was inevitable. Let me let me let me do what uh, what the media is supposed to do and pull out a a little um, extract except here from something he said. Um, he said, these are world-class athletes. They do this for a living. Metcalf said after finishing 15th out of 17 competitors in two preliminary heats in cool, overcast conditions. It's very different from football speed from what I just realized. <sighs> I mean, duh. What, <laughs> what else? We, I mean, <sighs> all right. So and according to, let me quote something else here. According to worldathletics.org, his time of 10.36 is outside of the fastest 20,000 times ever. He didn't come close to the 10.05 um, seconds, which is the threshold that he would have needed to qualify for the next um, for the next heat, right? Mm -hmm. I can I don't know what to make of this. Like I personally, I personally have a, a kind of an issue. It's, it's just a personal thing. When pro athletes try to jump into another sports discipline essentially for which they have no kind of formal training and and mind you i'm referring to athletes who just want to go and do something else just because i'm i'm not talking about like the 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 russell wilson's and the kyler murray's and before like prime time mm -hmm. and and bo jackson these men who could actually play the two sports right i'm not speaking about that i'm talking about people who just want decide you know what? that's like how dk decide you know what i'm fast let me try and run like, like, just for example, and I'm pretty sure you saw this in one of the groups a couple of years back or whatever it was. I, I was, I was incensed that Usain Bolt thought he could walk in and be a professional footballer at the age of thirty something, I, because he probably is going scrimmage with whoever, wherever. I'm like, you, 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 you're being serious. I feel, I feel personally like it's a, a, a blatant disregard of the years of work that it takes people to get into to to um get to their level professionally in in their discipline right mm -hmm. and and mind you i like i i, I try to be open minded like even i didn't even <laughs> i didn't even i didn't expect conor mcgregor to put up a fight against money mayweather but we knew that that was a publicity stunt more than it was him actually thinking that he could box it was the, a man had a huge push for that right mm -hmm. so this is just something personally that that i don't like and and people could look at it as oh you know he was tracing his dream he wanted to do whatever I, that's cool it still was a little naive to me but that's cool and I, this is not the worst situation like i said i, I feel like you seen both one was worse um but yeah I, it, it's just that he's already a professional athlete though he's mm -hmm. in that one percent or whatever it is you know so and, and and you're pretty damn good at what you do too he's he's one of the better receivers in the league you know what i mean so it's not like he languishing somewhere on the bottom of the totem pole and felt like he needed to 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 show that little machismo and do something i was like you're pretty good at what you do i i just i just felt like it was kind of naive to 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 want to get into that everyone saw how raw he looked trying to like he just looked like somebody that was running in a pasture somewhere it didn't <laughs> it, it just didn't look good and it, it didn't it didn't rub me the right way, but I'm not excoriating him for this. I just think it was naive. Understood. No. When I looked at it, and well, you made mention of Usain and his his intention of getting a trial at Manchester United because Manchester United is his favorite team. And he figures that because I'm Usain Bolt, I'm fast, and I'm a professional athlete, that you know, automatically these skills will translate from point A to point B. It's always interesting when they think that because even for us who are not professional athletes, we understand that if you're working in one job, it doesn't necessarily mean that you can take everything that makes you good at job X and take it over to job Y and be good at that. But that said, I personally give DK some measure of credit for the attempt that he wanted to go and do it and he he tried to do it the fact that he ran 10.36 is 
not fast for Olympic standards, but for everything else, that is very fast. And for him in the NFL, the only other wide receiver that we usually think about when it comes to that kind of blazing speed is Tyreek Hill. Now, when you looked at DK compared to the, the, the actual sprinters, DK is 220 pounds. These other guys are probably running at like 170, 160, maybe 180 at the heaviest. So he has a 40 pound disadvantage. And then again, he's not a sprinter. So whereas that like, you go through the different phases of, of this, where you know that like, you explode all the blocks, you have the drive phase before you stand up, where you, you're trying to get as much momentum as possible. So that when you stand up and then you're running true to the end, that you're not you know, still trying to build the speed. When you looked at DK versus all the rest, he was up much faster than they were. And he, at one point, no, it's difficult to tell from the camera angle that you that you could see, but it looked early on as if he may have actually gotten out a little ahead of them. But by the time those guys get up and start to lift their legs and pump their arms, it is a no contest at that point. So 10.36... Well, you trade, you chase the dream. I mean, this this is very I'm reminiscent. Living the dream. <laughs> living. The man legit broke down into tears because he was so happy when he got drafted. Uh, he, he got drafted. You're in the NFL. What else do you... I, I just, listen. Uh, DK, he said that... Uh, not he said, but apparently he, he did run hurdles. I think it was in high school, whatever the case is, right? Mm -hmm. he, he was a hurdler. Don't know how much experience actually he had in that, but he did say that this was his first um, hundred meter sprint. I, if if this situation with Tyreek Hill, I wouldn't feel the same way, you know, because Tyreek Hill actually ran track in high school. Like there's actually we actually have footage of him outside of football. He actually ran, I think, is a hundred and two hundred meter in high school. Mm -hmm. He was like a, a, a high school athlete of the year in track and field, that kind of thing. So if that was the case, I, I would be a bit more understanding, but. And, and I get where you're trying to come from me, trying to be so positive for the guy. That's nice. It's really nice. 10.36 <laughs> isn't slow. Isn't slow for an NFL player. It isn't. But yes, it is slow if, when it comes to a discipline where what counts is your speed. <laughs> so like I said, it was it's just more funny to me. I just thought it was a little naive to try and do that because personally, I just, I just... It, it just kind of rubs me the wrong way when people try to do it. But this is not the worst um, attempt that I've seen at someone trying to get. I still wouldn't give him as bad as you say in trying to play for United. But, you know, it, I'd like, yeah, like you said, he, he got the experience cool. Yep. It is what it is. <laughs> it is what it is. All right. So now after we've spoken about the fast wide receiver, we will talk about <laughs> the guys who are paid to catch him and stop him. So, AJ, you remember back in, well, this probably a few episodes ago when I had talked about the positions that I thought that I would play in the NFL. And I made mention of running back being the one that I had liked the most, but it, I kind of got off of that narcotic pretty quickly because I remembered how many hits these guys get just trying to get through the line. Now, so then I was like, all right, so maybe... I, I can't play a wide receiver because wide receivers, sometimes they have to run routes coming across the middle, and that's where the linebackers are. And the linebackers <laughs> would probably hit them really, really hard. <laughs> so then I was like, so if I'm not going to play a wide receiver, then maybe I can be the one that tackles the receiver because those guys, they don't usually get hit that hard compared to the others which is the corner. So corner was one of the positions that I was like, well, if I had to play male, maybe I could try my hand at corner. So I'd like to know that, you know, a team has good cornerbacks. I like to see good cornerback play. Yeah. Have we got some, some big names today on who do you trust? And the first name that comes up on who do you trust is Legion of Boom alum Richard Sherman. So Richard Sherman recently, most recently, was 
this one of the starting cornerbacks for the San Francisco 49ers. And he had an injury that took him out before the end of the season. And now Sherman is a free agent. There was rumors that Sherman may have been coming to New Orleans, but since New Orleans has drafted a corner in the draft, and they have also picked up some others that as undrafted free agents, the likelihood is that Sherman is not coming to New Orleans after all. So AJ, now we're hearing that Sherman could potentially be headed back to San Francisco. So AJ, in 2021, do you still trust Richard Sherman to be a starting cornerback? If you want to phrase it that way, if you want to word it that way, no, I do not. Trust I, I can't say I do. I most certainly do not. Um, yeah, I, it, and it's, this is not to, to ne necessarily bag on his ability. I think he, he'll be more of a, a, a veteran presence in the locker room. Um as opposed to like a key cog in that defense. Uh, like I said, it's not a bag on his ability, but like I always say, the best ability is availability. Yes. And I mean, as recently as 2019, he was a pro bowler, right? Mm -hmm. um, first year in San Francisco, 61 tackles, 11 passes defense, three INTs. Opposing quarterbacks had a 62.3 uh, um, yeah, passer rating when targeting his side. He only allowed one touchdown that year. The man was, he was still doing it that year, right? But the tides could turn very quickly. 2020 was a different sort of scene. Um, he played like five, it was five games? Yes, five games. It was five games, right? Because he had, a, is a calf injury. So especially in something in a position, well, in most positions of these positions, it, it, it has a lot to do with your movement, your speed, you know, how you're able to, to maneuver and, and in his position and coming off of a calf injury, I'm just doubting whether or not he will be able to get back to at least, at least, like, um, Legion of Boom Day is done, right? But mm -hmm. if he could get back to at least 2019, because that still was a, a relatively good year. Um, but at the same time, I I think even San Francisco are aware of that. I don't, it doesn't seem like they're putting too much faith on him being that in any case. Like I said, good presence to have. He still he still is who he is. Um, but the fact of the matter is they already signed, re-signed Jason Barrett, Emmanuel Mosley, and they drafted two. They drafted two cornerbacks. Not saying that all these guys are going to make the roster, but I'm saying they already are making some sort of auxiliary plans in case this does not work out. So, no, I do not trust him to be a starter or a key cog in this defense. Okay, well, I mean, you said a lot of the stuff that I had in mind to also say. So, yes, I will have to agree that I do not trust um, Richard Sherman, 2021-2022 version of Richard Sherman for this coming season. Trust As I have mentioned to you, when there were the rumors that Sherman was going to be coming over to New Orleans, I said I didn't, I, I wasn't really in favor of that because... That much. Yeah, because you have given the statistics, right? So I'm going to make mention of the eye test. Richard Sherman had, had, had cultivated a reputation of being one of the best corners in the league, primarily locking down his side of the field. Quarterbacks generally didn't come after him or his side of the field. He was not known as one that will travel like Marshawn Lattimore would travel whenever we play against the Buccaneers, going up against Mike Evans and basically taking Mike Evans completely out of the game. He Sherman will lock his side down and he will take that side of the field away. But we have seen in the last couple of seasons, Sherman has been beaten badly on some plays, especially when the defense is not necessarily schemed up to give him the help on that side. We've seen him get run past before. We've seen him, well, we've not seen him get a stiff arm like what uh, uh, Henry likes to give people. But we've seen him, we've seen him get beat quite a number of times. At this point, having just 
missed 11 games this past season with injury. He's going to be 32 in this season. He's already lost a step in terms of speed. I can't say that, like you, I can't trust that he is going to be that key cog in the machinery for San Francisco. And if he is that key cog for the San Francisco 49ers, chances are it's not going to look very good for him. So my belief is that it might actually be best for him. Well, he can go back and, as you said, be the veteran presence. You know, Sherman, he has a mouth. He is going to talk regardless of where he is. So he could be a vocal leader for that defense. But as a player and expecting him to be the leader of their secondary, no, those days are definitely behind him. Then we, that leads us into the second cornerback that we um, had made mention of previously when he had first gone on the move. We had made mention of him. And this is Patrick Peterson. Patrick Peterson has been the standout uh, cornerback for the Arizona Cardinals pretty much his entire career. He has been in the league now 10 years. And in those 10 years, he has been first team all pro three times and he has been voted to the Pro Bowl the first eight years of his career. And now he is on his way over to Minnesota. So AJ, do you trust Patrick Peterson to go over and make the secondary of the Minnesota Vikings better? That's another loaded question. But I, I, I trust him to make it yeah, better. Man. But at the same time, I would love to see if Aaron Rodgers stays in, in um, Green Bay. I would love to see him come up against Devontae twice a year, though. Because I know Devontae, <laughs> I know Devontae, I know Devontae about to have that. That's two 200 yard games easily. Um, but on a serious note, um, I, Patrick Peterson isn't what he once was. And I, I, I think, I mean, if, it, if you're watching a film, if you've been watching enough, you, you probably see that just in his play. He, he doesn't look the same. You spoke about the eye test. So eye test-wise, he doesn't necessarily look the same. Um, but in the grand scheme of things, he is still better than what Minnesota had last year. That's a sad truth. And he's going to a team with a head coach who he credits for giving some of the more veteran corners like an extended period of, 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 of playing in, in their late on in their careers. Because um, he mentioned like he mentioned like um, prime Jonathan Joseph. So uh, this this kind of feels like. Zimmer is, is banking on him to, on Patrick Peterson to be what he was up to 2018, which, is, which was the last time he was a pro bowler. But in 2019, and I, I don't want to lean too heavily on stats, but I let, let me just mention a couple of things. So, um, so the main thing is that, all right, low 39 receptions on 58 targets, 527 yards, 20, 217 yak. Um, Opponent passer rating of 104.3. That was the first time in his career that he allowed uh, a, a passer rating of over 100, right? Mm -hmm. uh, 2020 was his worst year of coverage grade since his rookie year, 53%. 50, 50 catches on 70 targets, allowed 677 yards, 206 yards. He allowed five touchdowns, which was his second, which was, yeah, the most for him since 2014. Uh, three picks, and then again, a passer rating of just over 100 with 100.8. And, and, and in addition to all this, the man led the league in penalties, right? So, <laughs> as much as we could talk, I test some of these things are very telling, right? Mm -hmm. So, again, this is this is another case of him. He's definitely going to be a veteran presence because the two corners they had in um, Gladney and that other youth man, I can't remember his name. He got some consonants in his name in weird places. I can't remember it, but... <laughs> But I'm pretty sure you remember Gladney at least. Um, both of them are in his second year. He could be a mentor to them. And at the same time, if if Zimmer is ex able to extract even a little bit out of him, he, he could definitely be an upgrade of what they have if he is what they need. 
I don't know. But in terms of just how you frame the question, yeah, he'll be a little bit better than what they had. I, I believe that much, at least. So this is one where it's difficult for me because the, the other cornerback, whose name you were trying to remember, his name is Cameron Dantzler. Mm-hmm. So the Minnesota Vikings... Dantzler and Gladney were not bad for them last season. And the expectation is that Patrick Peterson is going to come in and he is going to start. But what are the expectations for Patrick Peterson? Are you expecting Patrick Peterson to come in and take away the best receiver on the, on the opposing team? If that is what you're expecting. And that's what I alluded to with my very first statement, right? Yeah, because if... one, All right. One of the things that you may mention of just now that is very telling. When a cornerback, especially a cornerback, and I know about this all too well, when a cornerback is getting beat... The one thing he tends to do is get handsy because he doesn't want to end up on Sports Center. And I can say <laughs> that I know about this. Which is why I put that in, yeah. Mm-hmm. Because for too many years, the Saints had one good cornerback, and then we had Brandon Broner on the other side, who was a walking pass interference call because he could not keep his hands off the receivers. So, for the question that I asked, does Patrick Peterson make them better for the entirety of their cornerback room? Yes, he yeah, does. baby. Is he going to make them better on the field? I am not so sure at this point. So I have to say, hmm, I really don't know. But he is one that we're going to have to say time will tell. Now, the last one for this week's Who Do You Trust is another veteran cornerback. It seems like if you're picking on the veterans today. But this is one of your former boys, Jason McCourty. So, Jason McCourty, Super Bowl champion, former starting cornerback of the New England Patriots, also playing in tandem with his twin brother, Devin McCourty. Now, he is on his way to Miami. And he's going to link up with your former defensive player and former coach, uh, Brian Flores. So, the question is... I. I'm not even going to give a, a long preamble on this one. Do you trust McCordy's fit in Miami? This is the only one that I feel has the potential to work out, right? But yeah, at, baby. at the same time, I'm still weary because I, I, I feel like if there's one thing that Bill could usually, Bill Belichick could usually get right is that he lets players go at, at the right time, especially mm-hmm. when it comes to defensive backs. So um, that, that just recent, recent enough history has me um, kind of like hopping on that a little bit. But I, 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 and I could, it could be me being a homer, but I, Jason McCordy is still good though. He was still good. And, and he's a very versatile player. Um, I think going to uh, Miami to reunite with Flores, who you know, is more of a defensive coach, he was our defensive play caller. That's the last position he held, even though at New Orleans, at not New Orleans, New England, even though he had a few positions at us. Um, I, I think it could work, though. And like I said, he's versatile. Um, Bill had him playing the inside. Oh, man, could, he could play at free safety. And there is, so far, they, there are reports saying that um, Flores is going to give him some snaps at safety as well. Um, but as he, he, even if he does play at, at corner, the thing is, I, I guess I especially like it because they have Xavier Howard, who is one of the premier corners in the league as well. So having him line up alongside Xavier Howard, um, I think it'll be good. I think it'll be good. And yeah, Xavier is is 
I, I think it's a good move generally. I, 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 I don't expect him to be as dynamic maybe as he was with the Pats in the last three years. But in terms of what Brian Flores is trying to build, I think it is a good move. Um, and I'll give this is this is the only one that I feel relatively good about that he could actually come in, fit in one time, and do a job. Okay, so. Unfortunately, I am not seeing this the way you are. I, I, I don't trust Jason McCordy going over to Miami. Trust who? And like you said, we don't necessarily want to harp on his stats too much, but there are a couple of things that I do want to make mention of. Now, you did say that Bill usually gets rid of these players. What he, you know, the mantra is always one season too early, never one season too late. But McCordy, in this, like, over his tenure with the Patriots, he has played 16, 12, and 16 games. So last season, 2019, he missed four games. He started 11 games this season, all right? So for the entire season, for the 11 games that he played, he has recorded three passes defended. That is all. No interceptions, no forced fumbles, no fumble recoveries. He has three passes defended. He had 42 combination tackles, 30 solo tackles, zero tackles for loss. And it's not as if to say that he, you know, he's not known as one of these corners or one of these players that is that lives in the backfield. So he had no quarterback hits. He hasn't had quarterback hits really in his entire career. But Jason McCourty, heading into this current season, he's already 33 years old. He is an old corner. As an old corner, no. He's going to Miami. So we know the Jets are still currently rebuilding. You just picked up quite a few receivers that do have some speed. Jason McCarty can't cover those boys. He can't. And then with Buffalo, he has um, Emmanuel Sanders, who's no coming. And he has Stephon Diggs. That he, he can't cover either of them either. So unless you're giving him a whole lot of scheme help, I don't see it. He he is going to be a great veteran voice in the locker room. He's going to give I, you I, a I, lot I, of presence. Is the case as well? Yeah, I agree. Uh-huh. But when it as how he's going to translate on the field, I, I can't sit here and say that I trust his production heading into honestly. Honestly, I think I think his saving grace is going to be if if he has more snaps at safety because to be fair, they do. Um, on the other side of Xavier Howard is Byron Jones. And not saying that Byron Jones is as spectacular as Howard is, but he is he is at least younger and, and could do a bit more in terms of uh, his athleticism and whatnot, right? So mm-hmm. um, I, 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 I guess it's just the fact that he is versatile and Flores knows this. So I think Flores is, is he just use him as, for want of a better term, a gadget. You just do whatever you need him to do, a utility man. Well, I mean, as I I am looking forward to the point where we are talking about actual play as opposed to just forecasting on these guys. I need to find more people to trust and you know, be just be more trustworthy in general than how I seem to be just constantly skeptical of these boys. But that was who do you trust? So AJ. This week, we saw a lot of things come out in the media with regards to what you are going to talk to us about on our final thought. And the biggest story over the last couple of days was that Tim Tebow, who, similar to when we spoke of Usain Bolt and DK Metcalf, he decided that he wanted to try his hand at being 
a two-sport athlete as well. The interesting thing about uh, Mr. Tebow was that Tim Tebow said that his thing was he wanted to be an NFL quarterback and he liked to hit the baseball. He didn't necessarily want to be a baseball player, but he liked to hit the baseball. So he got a job with the Mets minor league team. He never quite made it to the majors. He's since announced his retirement from baseball. And he's decided that he wants to play football again. But now he decides that he wants to come back as a tight end. Now, I remember before Tebow retired that there was talk of how teams were trying to encourage Tebow to try out that tight end. And he refused. He said he was only interested in being a quarterback. But now he is back. Tebow Mania is here again. So, AJ, the floor is yours, sir. Boy, <laughs> this thing's to the high heavens. And you know what? The funny thing is, at this point, um, I'm not surprised. I'm not even upset. Like I was telling you before off air, I, I was going over this in my head and like practicing the rant to myself. And then it just kind of really hit me. You know what? I, <laughs> I don't even have the energy to rant about Urban Meyer anymore. I'm just resigned to the fact that Urban Meyer is going to make decisions that he thinks, um, a decision that he thinks, yeah, will benefit him while completely ignoring what kind of impact they may have on his organization and the, and the dressing room and the culture of, of the team, right? Mm -hmm. This is the Urban Meyer show, Ken. It's the Urban Meyer show. Uh, this is the, the Jacksonville Urban Meyer. This, that's what it is. Up, up to today, though, apparently he was on Chris Collingsworth um, podcast and he said that they haven't actually like made an official decision. It's up in the air, but that is just conjecture. I really, everything is agreed. He's going to... to um, to be signed. Um, Tebow is going to be signed, that is. Now, we could go back already. I've already had my previous round about Urban Meyer, but we could go back and, and revisit that. But the fact of the matter is the man makes some questionable decisions, right? And this is just, to me, bringing more unwarranted attention to the Jaguars organization. I'm just shedding light on more of the questionable decisions that he makes. <laughs> you mean to tell me, you mean to tell me, right? Even if you want to no, no, a lot of the talk is that they want to bring Tim, Tim Tebow in because of the history that um, the two the, have, the close relationship that they have, obviously, with winning a couple of national championships down at Florida. Um, and, you know, like, he, he like, like, they just have a very close relationship, right? Mm -hmm. And that Tebow, at his ripe old age of 33, and the fact that he'll be 34 when the season starts, could be some sort of, of, of like, locker room presence again to bring that up and uh, you know like be a, a veteran presence in the locker room especially to Trevor Lawrence if that's the case why the heck are you not just trying to bring him on as a coach then as a tight end seriously the man <laughs> hasn't played a donor football since literally since the last day of 2012 you know I, I, I say literally no it was a 30 sorry 31 days in December he played last on December 30th <laughs> 2012, apparently. And this was at the quarterback position. Man has never played. <laughs> Man has never played tight end. Never put his hands in the dirt. Never had to pass, a, uh, to catch a pass from a quarterback. And, and, and as, was, as I heard was pointed out, he had one attempt, that um, one pass attempt, and the ball hit him in his head. So I don't even have faith that a man knows what to do in that kind of situation. Now, the serious part and the most egregious part to me is the fact that this is no and and I, let me also say I don't even think he's going to make the final roster. I, that would be even more asinine, right? But we'll get to that when that time comes. It is just the fact that this is taking up a roster spot of someone who is working to become a tight end and in the National Football League, right? Let me just place this sentence here for emphasis. Tim Tebow doesn't have any right being in the NFL as a quarterback, much less as a tight end in a, a position he has never played. Don't tell me that he's going to be better than men who've already played. And some some of his uh, of his defenders have uh, um, have tried to justify it by saying, "Oh well, if you look at the 
the um the tight end room in Jacksonville that like they don't have much better or whatever or Shaughnessy and them boys and they let go Tyler Eifert and that's not an excuse. He's still not going to be better than these guys. But over my again, it 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 just it just reeks a privilege. That that's what's annoying about it. It reeks a privilege. And like you said, you alluded to the fact that he he was asked to try out at tight end when he was actually in the league. He didn't because he wanted to be known as a quarterback. And on some level, I get that because he was trying to prove himself in that position. And I don't think he wanted anyone to stronghold him and put him, you know, as a tight end. And I kind of get that. But you had enough time. You could have come back a year or even two after that. You've been out of the league for eight years now. So, <laughs> and, and, and all of a sudden, your, your former coach and like your adopted dad comes back to the team and, and he ready, he, Tim Tebow, is ready to come out of the shadows and try out as a tight end. And because he knows, he knows that he, he as a poster boy for white privilege, is going to make this, is going to make this, uh, um, this team, right? Because it's Urban Meyer, because of their relationship. And I'm pretty sure you know in the past that Tebow has said, he's been on record saying some things that have come across very privileged. If you remember, you remember his comments about, about college students and, just in case anybody didn't know what he said, Tim Tebow essentially said that college students should want to play strictly for the love of their school and they should not be concerned with making money. I have to look that in the camera while I said that, right? So, as I was trying to point out initially, this is just another poor decision by Urban Meyer. I, it, it, I'm, I'm just not surprised. And obviously, there's the other side of, of the fact that Colin Kaepernick still can't get a job. <laughs> like, but 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 you know what? I I, I don't even want to take it there. I, I don't even, that's a completely different discussion we can have on a different day because I think that's a, a a whole topic by itself, right? Mm -hmm. A man has been out of the league eight years coming back to win a, a, a position and a contract um, that he he a, a contract for a position that he's never played in ever. At the at the age of thirty something, um, I, I so all that being said, I just I, I there was there was a time back right Ken where after the USA didn't qualify for the last World Cup, at that point in time I was kind of like doing some writing for this online site and I wrote an article about what the headlines were the last time the USA didn't qualify for a World Cup, which was nineteen eighty six. So I figured, you know, why the heck not? Let me do that now. Let's let's see what some of the headlines in sports were back in 2012, the last time Tim Tebow was in the NFL. I'll just I'll just point out some. Like there, there were a few good ones. Just let me point out some. I just wanted to end this on a happy note because to me this this is such is the ridiculousness of this entire situation that I felt the need to end it on a, a fairly jovial and somewhat ridiculous note. Back in 20, I'll start off with one that you and like back in 2012. Highlights from, from, from sports the year last year, Tim Tebow played in the NFL. The Giants beat the pass in the Super Bowl for the second time. I know you're gonna like that. What do you remember that? Wasn't such a good time for me. In 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 football, uh, our football association football is when Chelsea won their first Champions League, Spain won the second Euro, and then we saw that magical finish to a Premier League season with Aguero scoring in the in the dying seconds to give Man City their first league title after 44 years. We know what's happened with Man City since then. They just actually clinched the league um, because today. of the results that played today. Correct. This is what, their fifth or since that's in, in that space of time? In cricket, Sachin Telnuka scored his 100th century in international cricket. In tennis, Rafa Nadal won his seventh Roland Garros. Federer won his seventh Wimbledon, tying... Pete Sampras, but we know it with regards to Nadal, we know how, what has happened to his legacy, especially with Roland Garros since then. Yes. That, that was number seven, now he's at one, number 13. Andy Murray won the US Open. First time, first time he ever won a Grand Slam in his career. He went on to win two more, but that was his first. Ooh, you know what's one of my favorites from that year? <laughs> it was probably one of the biggest stories in sports. LeBron James finally winning his first NBA championship with the Miami Heat after taking his talents to South Beach. 2012 was also the year when Usain Bolt dominated the Olympics again, winning the one, the two, four by one relay. Northern Irishman in, in, in golf, Northern Irishman Rory McIlroy won his first ever US PGA Championship. Bubba Watson won his first ever Masters. 
And you know what was the coup de grace that year? Lance Armstrong being banned from cycling for life and being stripped of his seven Tour de France titles because of his whole situation. No, I know you've been watching sports long enough that some of these things are a distant memory to you. So this just goes to show you how long ago it was that Tim Tebow was a member of the NFL. These were the headlines when Tim Tebow last played in the NFL. Can I, 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 there was no way for me to end this with just ranting and getting myself upset anymore because I'm like, you know what? You, you have to accept that this is what it is. I expect more poor decisions from Urban Meyer to come in the future and I can't wait can't wait for them to come out so that we get the chance to discuss them again. Uh, mind you, let me also end with a disclaimer. I'm not hoping that Tim Tebow gets hurt in any way, shape, or form. I do not wish injury on anyone in any sports discipline. Not that kind of, this is not that kind of um, scenario. I just don't think this works. I just don't think it works. But let's see how it plays out when, when Urban Meyer has to, when Urban Meyer's chickens come home to roost, I should say. Well, I, I thank you, sir, for your final thoughts this week. It is interesting that Urban Meyer has been making decisions as if he has the contract of John Gruden, whereas you can just do whatever the hell you think that you want to do, and basically because you're going to be here forever. That that came to mind too. And you, you know what's one of the more damning things too? Apparently, some people within the Jacksonville Jaguars organization do not like this move. They don't. They don't There's like not it, much about it to like. To like I said, it's the, it's the Urban Meyer show. It's the Urban Meyer show. Yep. And there's a lot more that could be said on this particular move. But we shall leave it here for today. As we had made mention of last time, the Green Beige Podcast can be found on almost every platform except for Apple Podcasts because it still will not allow me to sign in and get our podcast confirmed on there. So if anyone has any suggestions as to how we can fix that, we are all ears. Of course, rate us, review us, give us five stars. We like five stars and that will help us to grow and build our platform as well. As always, that is AJ, he is the green, I am Ken, I am the beige, and we will see you next time.